Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the Central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Welcome to another edition of Fizz in Indy. Gil Gross, Matt Bonaparte with you. Getting ready for the Sweet 16 Saturday night, Syracuse, Houston, Hinkle Fieldhouse. It's going to be a late one, 9.50 p.m. start. Um, there's, there's something that I want to start with at the top here, and then we're going to get into kind of what we want to see from Syracuse on Saturday. Obviously, the Orange have been scorching hot, but there's going to be a few, uh, a few particular keys to beating Houston that, uh, that we're going to get into, Bones. But first of all, the one thing that sticks out right now is that there is no ACC opponent in front of Syracuse, which has ended the last two runs into the Sweet 16 and beyond. In 2016, it was UNC in the Final Four. And in 2018, it was Duke in the Sweet 16. H- how big is it, do you think, that, that the Orange aren't going to run into that kind of uh, – zone familiar buzzsaw i think it definitely makes this uh the potential slate look a lot more attractive you don't have to deal with a team that's seen the zone all year deal with a team that's seen this personnel all year Uh, i definitely think it makes the orange a better bet to go uh into the final four the one thing with the houston matchup is i would have told you earlier in the year, especially that the one thing that Syracuse cannot face or it's a death sentence is a great offensive rebounding team. And as we'll get into Houston is that second best in the country in terms of rebounding its own misses after UNC. So that's kind of tough when it comes to the matchup. Um, But Syracuse has beaten UNC has beaten West Virginia. That's two top 15 offensive rebounding teams um, in the last couple weeks. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are talking about the offensive rebounding of Houston uh, when previewing this matchup. And, and, yeah, I mean, they're a great rebounding team, third in the country in, in offensive rebounds per game, fifth in the country in total rebounds per game. But here's the thing. Syracuse has gotten out-rebounded in the last three games. I don't really see a, a direct correlation between a loss in the rebound category and a loss in, in the WL column. So I think, yeah, sure, being able to rebound would be nice for Syracuse, but it's definitely not a death sentence, like you mentioned. You just got to shoot a lot better than the other team, and then you can win a basketball game despite being out-rebounded. And Syracuse is around 48% from beyond the arc in these first two games in the tournament, up at uh, around 60% from the field. So the, and the offense is in the top five in efficiency in March. Like this has turned into an elite offense and that's where you can afford to lose a couple of extra possessions. Um, And we'll see if if Syracuse can keep that up because you can pretty much book it right now that Houston is going to get some some second and third chances against Syracuse. The orange offense needs to stay hot. What do you think is is the number one key for Syracuse to kind of keep up what we've seen in the last two games against a Houston team that – they defend the perimeter a lot better than San Diego State and West Virginia. Both great defenses, but they were very predicated towards not letting the Orange get to the rim. And now Houston's going to be a team that's going to defend on all three levels. 
Yeah, so obviously they're going to have a game plan for Buddy Beheim. Uh, Buddy Beheim been the huge story of the ACC tournament and the NCAA tournament. Of course, he's the hottest player in college basketball right now, whatever. They're going to have a game plan for him. So the, the biggest thing Syracuse is going to have to do is find a number two and a constant one that you know you can rely on anytime down the floor, whether that be Joe Girard, who's kind of found his niche with fans in the building and is able to return to form, or if that's a Quincy Garrier who's going to take over in the middle against a team that's not very tall or very big. So you have a couple of options on the offensive end, but you got to find a number two. You can't just keep putting it in, in Bayheim's hands every time you need it. And we kind of saw that against West Virginia. I mean, they went into the half, Syracuse went into the half up on the Mountaineers, and Buddy Bayheim scored three points in the first half. So, I mean, we've seen them do it, but I just don't know if they can do it for an entire game because obviously Buddy came out and scored 22. So, if Buddy Beheim can have a number two to look at uh, and, and be reliant on, it'll be the orange game. Yeah, the, the interesting thing about Syracuse is for a lot of the season, they were looking for a number one. And was it Quincy? Was it Buddy? Was it Alan Griffin? Right? I, I mean, that was, that was a legitimate question. Like, maybe Alan Griffin's the guy. Like, could, could you imagine having that discussion now? I mean, it's so clear that Buddy Beheim's the number one. And that, that's why Syracuse is a better team, because now at least we're looking for a number two. Yeah, I mean, and we weren't even having that conversation too long ago about whether or not it was Alan Griffin or Buddy Beheim. I mean, Griffin, of course, three points over the last three games. That's not what you want from a guy who you're kind of counting on to score. But it was the Clemson game, the last game of the year. He's had 22 points. And we were like, all right, it can be the Buddy and the Griffin show. And then the ACC comes, or ACC tournament comes around. He scores 12 points against NC State, three against Virginia, nothing against San Diego State, and then three against West Virginia. I mean, the guy just hasn't been the same. And, and Beheim claims it's his defense. Yeah, I, I think, well, he hasn't been allowed – to shoot himself out of this slump because he's just getting taken out of the game. I think that's the, the biggest difference between Allen early in the year and, and now late in the year is he's just not staying in the game anymore. And I think he isn't in his head. And Braswell's just been such a key, as we've talked about after these games. Braswell's been so good that there's, it's just impossible to justify putting Griffin on the floor. You know, I don't know. So, so you say that, that Buddy needs a number two. Who are you looking at that to be? Because I, I don't think that it's clearly going to be Alan Griffin. It's got to be Joe or, or Quincy. I think that it's got to be either a, a Joe Girard. I mean, 12.7 assists, six rebounds last time out. That's all you need from him. Every game, if he could do that, that the, the Orange would be an entire different stratosphere than they are now. And then for Quincy, it's about taking advantage of a smaller team that Syracuse is facing. Houston's only 6'8". That's the tallest player, 6'8". So if Quincy can go again under the basket and play on the interior like we know he loves to do and do it well, they're going to be in a good spot. Quincy and Marek are, are two players who can go to the rim and get fouled. And Houston fouls a lot. There's a lot of interesting ways to look at that, that part of this matchup. But, but one of them is that I think that Marek, who has one of the, the best free throw rates in the country generally, and I can check it right now, but Marek and Quincy are both guys who can get to the rim and get fouled. Houston goes for a lot of steals. They go for a lot of block shots. And that's why they put themselves in position where they are fouling a lot. So I think that's a big time key. I would really look for 
I mean, J- Joe's going to have a, a tough time, actually, I think. I mean, he's going against, up against Giroux, who's the defensive player of the year in the American Conference. Uh, so I'm really looking at, at the bigger guys who can get to the rim. Yeah, I mean, and I think uh, that could be a huge key as well. And I just want to touch back on uh, this run compared to that of 2018 and 2016 and just note how different this team is compared to those two teams. Those teams were defensive-minded squads. I mean, that's what they preached. That was back when Beheim got players that he knew could play the zone pretty well. I mean, you had Benajay and you had Malachi Richardson at the top of the zone back then with Tyler Lydon in the middle. It was a different team than it is now. They had, a, they had an athletic big man. So you have to, to view that run differently than this one because Syracuse usually doesn't have that offensive superstar that Buddy Beheim has been. Uh, and this is going to be kind of the first time we see a team without a lot of defense coming from Syracuse try to do something like this. Yeah, it, it is the first time that the offense has been this elite. And by the way, I, I promised I'd get the Ken Palm numbers, so I have them now. Dolajai is 27th in the country in free throw rate, and Garrier is 442nd. So he's just in the, inside the top 500 where Ken Palm will actually show you what his, his rating is. So both those guys get to the rim. Um, the, the ball movement, the, the simplicity of Syracuse's offense running through Buddy Beheim, screening off the ball for him, running him in pick-and-roll situations where he's getting double-teamed, and then he's giving off to usually Marek, who's then, who then has that four-on-three situation offensively, uh, just like the, the Warriors used to do with Steph Curry and Draymond Green where the, you'd have to double Steph off the screen. Otherwise, he'd pop the three off the dribble. Um, and then Steph would get the ball to Draymond, and Draymond was that playmaking forward that, quite frankly, Marek Dolajai is a six foot ten, very skinny version of. And the Orange just have it going um, on offense. But I also think that Kadari is going to be really important in this game uh, because he's someone who can also get to the rim. Um, and, and can penetrate. And Gerard has been better with that, but I'm looking for Richmond to, to use his six foot five frame. Uh, he's going to have the height advantage as usual. And um, he needs to be big here against this pressure because I do worry about Joe when he's getting pressured. And I think you should because Joe has shown an, uh, a lack of. Uh, of ability and ineptitude, if you will, to, to be able to drive this year. He hasn't been able to drive past just about anybody. We know he's a bit of a liability on defense, even though Jim continues to say he likes him there. But Kadari is going to be huge in this game on both ends of the ball because he can facilitate really well. I'm not saying Joe can't, but he's longer, he's bigger, he's faster, he's you know stronger, he can play the zone, in my opinion, better. Uh, and, and I think Jesse Edwards is going to be huge as well because of that height. And we talked about how Houston really isn't a very tall team. If, if Jesse can come in, stay out of foul trouble, and then be effective, what a game it's going to be. But we know that might not go the way uh, it appears because of, of the foul trouble Syracuse ran into against West Virginia. I'm really fascinated to know if Jesse can help the situation on the defensive glass because – on one hand, he's going to be the longest player on the court by far, at at six foot eleven, and with no one on Houston over six foot eight, as you've said, he he can he's going to be able to reach over guys. But on the other hand, 
part of why Houston is such a good rebounding team is because they go hard after the ball and, and they're really vicious at the point of attack, like a good wide receiver, like a good cornerback. And obviously Jesse has had problems holding on to the ball. So my concern would be, you know, is he actually going to be able to use that length advantage and convert it into rebounds? Or are we going to see a lot of balls in Jesse's hands and promptly ripped out of his hands because of the doggedness of, of Houston's physical players? I think that's a really valid question. I mean, we saw Jesse get pushed around a lot against the Mountaineers. And like you mentioned, this Houston team, they're, they're rabid on the inside. They're not very tall, but like I talked about with Joseph Duarte yesterday, he talked about how they're just going after the ball. That's why they get rebounds. They, they play with so much hustle, so much toughness, so much tenacity. They're going to be ripping the ball right out of Jesse Edwards' hands and, and probably going to force him into foul. I bet you that's going to be part of their game plan. Whenever he's in, force him to foul because Syracuse can't really play with one big because uh, Dolish is either going to get tired or foul out. So if – Edwards can play well, and, and he can stay out of it. It would be huge, but I don't know if that's going to happen. I think we're going to end up getting another press conference where Jim ends up saying Jesse's not ready. Yeah, I, I think that's likely. Uh, it's interesting because Houston is different than UNC. UNC feeds the post, and Houston shoots threes. Uh, so, so they get chances for long offensive rebounds, which, which I think is uh, an interesting wrinkle here. It also is a uh, – it's cause for Kadari Richmond, who just is better on the on the perimeter, bothering three point attempts, which is really how Houston runs its offense. So, uh, I do think that Kadari's height could be key on the on the perimeter um, defensively. The the rebounding, it's it's going to be interesting. I, I like the points that you make about Syracuse being able to win games despite um, losing on the glass. But I think one of the keys here is the fact that Syracuse um, is such a good free throw shooting team. And I think they need to get Houston in the bonus early on, and then they need to make a lot of free throws. If you look at the point distribution numbers on Ken Palm, Houston, um, with the, the great defense that they are, they don't give up a lot of threes. They don't give up a lot of twos either. Uh, but they give up 24% of points defensively from free throws, which is eighth in the country, eighth worst in the country technically because you don't want to give up points. Um, or actually, it's a, it's a percentage-wise. So um, it, it just shows you that the, where teams score against Houston, it's at the free throw line. You love for Syracuse that they're a really, really good free throw shooting team. That's big. Yeah, I mean, and the guys you want on the line are obviously Marek or, or Joe Girard, but I don't know. It's Girard's be been missing a lot of free throws. Uh, I you know, know. It's not sorry, sorry to cut you off, but yeah. And I said I, I thought about that after I said it because after his freshman season where he was hitting every single free throw, and then I mean against West Virginia he missed a big free throw. So I would chalk that yeah. statement. Uh, against mm-hmm. against uh, UNC as well, Syracuse had a big lead in that one, and Girard missed the front end of a one and one and kind of gave the Tar Heels an opportunity to get back into the game. He was 90% as a fresh, freshman, and now he's down under um, 80% this season. I mean, he's like fourth on Syracuse. He, he led the ACC, now he's fourth on Syracuse. I mean, for Orange fans, you know, free, free throws have never been Syracuse's thing. So it was lovely to have a player <laughs> last year who could get it done from the line, and now he just can't. So that's a little bit upsetting, but... 
It's going to be interesting to see where Syracuse gets their offense from outside of Bayheim. I think that much is clear. And if, it, if it's charity stripe, it's charity stripe. But I don't know. What do you think, Joe? Do you think that's where they're going to get it? Yeah, I, I, I do. And I've seen Syracuse implement this game plan a couple times this season where they're actually driving. And I really, I'm 100% confident that Jim Beheim is going to come into this game and is going to get his guys to drive. He's going to implore them to drive because he knows there's going to be fouls here. And that is just, it's clearly the way to beat Houston. They will pressure you on the outside. Uh, they are the opposite of West Virginia. West Virginia leaves teams open on the perimeter, you know, and, and you get threes. And Houston is just not that team. That's not to say that Syracuse is not going to take threes and have to make threes. And, you know, you got to still try to free up Buddy. But if you're driving, um, you just have to get to the line. That is where you score on Houston. Um, so I think that Marek has not been – needs to up his aggression – He's been playing well, don't get me wrong, but he needs to shoot instead of pass here. He needs to drive to the rim um, and, and Quincy as well. We often see, not often, excuse me, we rarely see Marek take a mid-range jumper. Um, but I feel as if against a team like this, you're going to want to, like you mentioned, you're going to want Marek to be a little bit more aggressive on the offensive end. Do you think in, in that group, like you mentioned, Bayheim's going to implore them to drive. Do you think he'll tell Marek to drive or just kind of play the, uh, the, the screen game like he often does? Again, like, he's so good at getting to the foul line. He, and he has underrated handles, I'll tell you that. Yeah, and, and he, he has quickness, and he has the ability to drive by. Now, the, the, these Houston forwards are also pretty quick. Um, but, again, like, if, if you're looking at a top 20 player in, in free throw rate – um, and someone who can dish it off as well, like to me, that that's a very inviting way to win this game. Um, and I I know it's it's not it's not sexy, but just draw some fouls. Like I, I really think Syracuse can can win the game like that. Really, I I don't know, man. I don't know if that's gonna work. Do you think I, I it's don't just, think you can. I don't think you can shock this game up for for Syracuse to just get to the line. I don't think it's yeah, that simple for them. Well, they need to hit their shots. I know, but it's just here. San Diego State. Syracuse has played three really good defenses here statistically, and I, I, I will say this: the premise, and we'll get into this more tomorrow with Houston. You know, maybe maybe the Cougars' numbers are better than they really are because they play in the American. Right, Syracuse can hope that's true, but I think that at least their defensive metrics are. I think probably, I think so. Um, but San Diego State plays a pack line defense, right? They they are tremendous at making you shoot over them, and Syracuse said, "Okay, no problem," and lit it up. West Virginia has a similar thing going on, where where they gave up the the fourth highest rate of open jump, jump shots in the country, according to Synergy, and. Buddy Beheim was getting the best looks that he's had all season against the Mountaineers. And I, I can just tell you right now, Houston is going to be up in the orange on the perimeter. They're just, they're not going to give any space. They're going to be going for steals. They're going to be trapping. They're going to be rotating um, on defense and, and, and helping on the ball and going for blocked shots. Um, 
it, it's going to, they want to make it physical. They don't care if they foul you. That's the thing. They have a deep bench. They have a very low. That was the thing I was going to mention. Yeah. They have a lot of depth to them. And that, that has yeah. proven to be, a, to have plagued Syracuse in the past. And I don't know if you think that that'll end up being a big issue because Syracuse doesn't, usually has a lot of tired legs at the end of the game. But uh, I don't know what you think about that. Well, how the game is officiated is going to be important. I don't, I don't know how much I worry about Syracuse getting tired here. Um, although I think Houston could wear down the orange physically. I, I think that's a possibility. It's just not on the, the high end of my concerns. I would be concerned about the way March Madness games are officiated. And that's why a team like Houston is sometimes pretty scary in March because if the, if the officials are going to let them play because, hey, it's the Sweet 16 and they're going to kind of eat their whistles, that's going to be really bad for Syracuse. Uh, because, I mean, l- let's face it, who's physical on this team? I mean, Quincy is kind of trying to be physical. He's really not, though. But he's not at all. It's just not – he's not natural. He has the body to do it, but it's just not his natural state. You'd agree? Yeah, I would agree. I mean, he, we see him often under the basket – putting up those right under the basket layups. But I mean, that's about it when it comes to his physicality, you don't see big fouls or any kind of really physical defense from him very often. Right. And Joe Girard is a competitor, but he's not physical, Uh, but he tries to be, you can't, you know, he doesn't play much defense. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, but he's 195 pounds. I think he he does do his best. Um, Buddy is not very physical and Allen is not very physical and Marek for a center is not very physical. Um, so if, if the officials are going to let Houston really impose its will in terms of kind of getting a little chippy, reaching in, um, lots of contact at the rim, that would be bad. Uh, be, you know, because we've seen statistically, we've seen the numbers. And, and let, me just, let me throw this out here. So, so we have the exact number. Houston on free throw attempts per field goal attempt is 332nd in the nation. Um, One of the worst teams in the country at fouling or one of the worst teams in the country at avoiding fouls on the defensive end. So a lot of this is in the hands of the officials and how they call the game. Yeah. I mean, but that's, you know, it's a subjective thing. So that's not something we're going to know about until game time. So, I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be a close one, regardless. In my opinion, I, I don't think this one gets to. And we're gonna preview this more tomorrow, so I don't want to get too far into yeah. it. But you know, it's gonna be a close game. Yep. Um, how much hope do you have for for Alan Griffin turning this around? I don't think I don't think Alan Griffin is a, is a player to really rely on down the stretch this season. I just don't think that he's a guy. Uh, that you're going to be saying, oh, he's going to come back and put in – it could happen. Like, I wouldn't be bewildered if he came in, put in 15 points and was helpful to win this game. But I don't see him being a huge factor, especially if Beheim doesn't trust his defense. And not for nothing, I don't either. I mean, the guy doesn't do much in the defensive end. He doesn't rebound very well. He sometimes swats a shot, and it looks really cool, but that's about <laughs> it. I, I agree with you. Um, I, I don't see any reason to not – um, keep rolling with Braswell, honestly. I think that should be kind of the plan A, unless Griffin gets really hot from three. One more for you, and then we'll wrap things up. Remember that uh, we'll have a in-depth Houston-focused preview tomorrow. 
Um, and then obviously we'll make our picks for the game. What, what's the likelihood that Buddy keeps this up? Right now he's, he's averaging 27.5 points per game. He has the second most points among active players in the tournament. What are the chances uh, Buddy can keep this going? It's hard to say he won't because he, he's been so hot in this month. But I, the look you're giving me right now means you're going to say he won't. But <laughs> um, it's hard to say he won't. I, I, if you give me uh, an over-under like Jaron May did, this morning on points, I tell you, he's going to have over 25 points. I really believe that. Mm. Look, I, I fully believe in, in Buddy's performance and his level. And obviously this has been, this has been no fluke. I mean, we're talking about 10 games now where Buddy's been outstanding, right? It's easy for us to fall into this trap of talking about the last two games. But if you really look at the numbers, Buddy has been preposterously good from three for a really long time here. With that being said, there's going to be a game, and I don't know if it's going to be against Houston. I don't know if Syracuse is going to lose before we see this game, but there's going to be a game where Buddy puts up a, a three for 10 or a, a four for yeah. 10 from three. You know, yeah, and, and, and that's, that's not atrocious, but that's going to happen. So I agree 100%. If Syracuse is going to lose a game badly, it's going to be because he stopped hitting threes. That's just how this works. Yeah. And uh, it's just going to be it's it's going to be fascinating because wh- while again I, I just this is what I want to emphasize more than anything else, uh, Houston is going to defend the perimeter a lot better than the other two teams. So to me, key for Syracuse. Bottom line, this is the game where Syracuse needs to get uh, drive. Syracuse needs to take it to the cup. And in the last two games, that just wasn't the case. Um, but this is the game; they got to whip it out. Whip out the driving. That's my bottom line. Any final words? I like that bottom line. That's all I got. All right. Uh, We'll talk to you tomorrow. This has been Fizz in Indy.